0: The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindley Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it.
1: My dad moved to Kindley and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindley.
0: Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit KindleyAtAsbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 143 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have a really fun, kind of an interesting episode today, doing some dynasty debates. And here with me, as usual, to do all the debating, is my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man?
1: I'm looking forward to this episode. It's a good idea that you brought up, and we put it on Twitter and had a lot of good response, so going to be a fun one i think a lot of good discussion about these players and you know really just diving in i think it probably is going to help us think too and like you know maybe some
0: live ranking changes on the on the air we'll see but <laughs> it's going to be good for sure wouldn't be the first time we've done live ranking no. updates on air it Does happen, but yeah there was a lot of lot a ton of great debates so thank you to everyone that submitted debates over on twitter there is zero chance we can get to all of them. Unfortunately, there's unless we want to like just quickly give thirty seconds of of you know info and analysis on these debates and players, which wouldn't be doing y'all justice. So we won't go super in depth, like you know ten minutes per debate. But we'll you know, give a minute or two from each of us in each debate while we think you know what we do, and it'll be a lot of fun here. So we'll get to as many as we can. We got probably two-thirds of them are more on the hitting side of things. So we'll probably cut a little bit more of those, try to keep it a little bit more even throughout the show. But it's going to be a fun one. But before we get into the show, the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Clegg. I am at Aircross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us. And, of course, check out all the other great work from the entire team. Over at Fantrax HQ. A lot more fantasy football articles creeping into my timeline and over on HQ now, but we still got a lot of baseball stuff there and we will throughout the offseason too. Obviously, you know, Fantrax is the premier dynasty platform for fantasy baseball. So, Chris and I, along with Michael Richards, probably bring on a couple more. Be a lot of good dynasty and prospect content throughout the offseason. So, still check out HQ. All right, Chris, let's get into it here. We'll start with the hitters. There'll be a lot of those. This was a really fun one to start out with. Andrew Vaughn versus Vinny Pasquantino. This one for me, Chris, is insanely hard. Like, I have shot Vinny P way up my rankings. Obviously, we've talked Vaughn several times over the course of the season. Vaughn's having a, a very good year, 297, 345, 470 slash line and 397 plate appearances with 13 home runs and 58 RBI. And Vinny P after a little bit of a slow start, though the metrics are still obviously very good. He's now up to 275, 357, 463, eight home runs and 182 plate appearances with, again, very good metrics here. So I'm curious, I'll go over to you first on this one. Vinny P, Andrew Vaughn, Dynasty, who you got? I think the hype and the perceived values – easily
1: given to Vinny right now. There's a lot of hype going on right now, and rightfully so, based on what he's doing. I think it's closer than people are giving it credit for because Vaughn's having a sneaky good season, in my opinion. I mean, he's hitting near 300, and we're talking about pretty much a, a first full season. Last year, you know, it was so inconsistent with playing time. He didn't get a fair shake. But he's hitting 297, and even though he his walk rate is not where it typically has been, He's you know, still posting a 345 OVP. The power's really been underwhelming, but he's hit the ball really hard, actually. He's got you know top 10% of the league in average exit VLO, you know 93rd percentile, hard hit rate, doing a lot of things well. And so I think that Vaughn's just maybe a tweak or two away from unlocking that power. Just not really getting to the fly balls, which is fine. I mean, putting the ball on the ground a little bit too much, but he has a high line drive rate as well, which is really contributing to the batting average I think but if he can just tweak the swing a bit I really think he's close to hitting you know a 25 home run season obviously probably not getting there this year if he he may end up around 18 to 20 home runs which you look at it's pretty underwhelming for a first base type and he's playing outfield too so you get that I, I think he's a first baseman long term both of them are probably first baseman long term but Vinny P, man, he's he's doing the thing. He's really showing off. I just wonder if pitchers adjust to him eventually. Like, we see this from time to time. And not to say that he's going to, like, completely fall off. But, you know, this hot streak, he's he's definitely getting the power. He's had eight home runs, just 182 plate appearances. A lot of those coming over the recent stretch. He's got a 275 average, but the XBA is a little higher as well. So, all in all, I mean... I don't see them as that dissimilar of players long-term. I mean, Vaughn's contact is pretty close to Vinny Pease, honestly. So I could see them both hitting for high averages, but you got to give the power edge to Vinny, but then Vinny's in the Royals' lineup, so the counting stats just aren't going to be there. It's a nice coin flip for me, but if you're looking for power, I'd go
0: Vinny, I think. And uh, it's almost, yeah, they're very similar players. Like you mentioned, like you look at a lot of the metrics in one of the, you know, the background, the profile there. There's not a big gap in any part of their profile, power, approach, context skills, et cetera. I do think the, the Kansas City lineup is going to be pretty good moving forward against youth movements coming up with, with Vinny and Prado and Massey, obviously Bobby Witt Jr. Maybe they get Mondesi, something out of Mondesi, who knows, but. I, I think it's going to be – obviously, I'd still go with the White Sox lineup as a whole, but I don't think it'll be a big gap down to Kansas City. I just think there's a little more raw power with Vinny. I think the average will be similar. I think we will have a bit higher OBP. So long-term, I think I do lean Vinny P, but love both these guys. They're both underrated. They're both very good. I think they both have very good, long careers being top 10 back in top 10 fantasy first baseman. So love them both, but I will give slight edge to Vinny P next. Another fun one with more exciting profiles, Luis Robert versus Michael Harris. The second, first off Luis Robert is starting to really irritate me. Like he's one, he's on that the old, Not heard enough to go on the IL, but he'll be out for like eight days thing right now, which is the most annoying thing ever. I hate it. But obviously, Robert is one of the most talented all-around players in the game. You look at this year, he's kind of gone kind of flown under the radar a little bit, but he's hitting 301, 336, 454. So the average has gone up. He's actually a 297 career header, but ISO is only at 153. He has 12 home runs, 11 steals, 354 plate appearances, but barrel rate is down from his first two years. Hard hit rate is, you know, about in that same range. K rates continue to come down from 32.2 to 20.6 to 18.4. Contact rates have gone up. So he's improved as a pure hitter. So I'm wondering if he starts tapping more into that power moving forward. I still think he's a you know, potential 25-25 type. So got a pretty solid sprint speed, not quite as good as it once was. But maybe he's more like 15 to 18 steals, but 25 home runs, good average. OBP will never be great, but if he keeps hitting for high average, be, he'll be fine, but he's been under 5% walk rate each of the last two years. And he's always just seems to be a little dinged up, which is just really irritating. I'll miss a couple games here and there. It seems like every other week he's been singing like a couple games, but the stats are good. The talent's obviously there, still only 25. With Michael Harris, he's very – like the power speed, I think, is definitely there with Michael Harris. I just wonder if, kind of like what you were saying – with Vinny P, Chris, I wonder if the league adjusts to Michael Harris. Like He's off to a phenomenal start, 287, 325, 500, 12 home runs, 13 steals, and 260 plate appearances. But he's a bit of a free swinger. He's been always been pretty aggressive. Walk rates are only 3.7% right now. He has a whiff rate above 30% on both breaking balls and off speed. He's hitting 226 against both of those pitch types, 359 off fastball. So I'm starting to wonder if they start feeding him less fastballs moving forward here. But still, contact skills like we've seen through the minor leagues. You know, whiff rate is a bit high. So I think the average comes down to a degree, but still, he's to be like 270, 275, you know, 18 to 20 home runs and 20 to 25 steals. Obviously, still very good. I'll, I'll still go Luis Roberts. Just because I think there's that next level for Robert that I don't think Harris can get to. Uh, so I'll go Robert here. But how about you?
1: I still lean Robert because I do agree the upside is significantly higher than Harris. Though Harris is just getting the job done and he's been a pleasant surprise in the power department. You look across the board and he's, you know, their average eggs and velos are similar, maxes are similar. Harris has him in ninetieth percentile, but overall you look how hard they hit it, the type of contact they make. Obviously, Robert's contact rates do look a little better right now but really you look at who Harris has been in the past and i think that we'll see that contact rate improve i mean we are talking about a 21 year old who only saw who saw less than 200 plate appearances above high a before he got called up and with robert he has made some changes that have unlocked and got him better contact skills the question is like can he just stay on the field and you kind of mentioned that too where if somebody offered me Michael Harris for Luis Robert in a dynasty league, I'd want another piece. But I don't think it's absolutely insane to move Robert for Harris plus something because I don't think that they'll be that dissimilar from a power speed standpoint, you know, both in really good lineups. I mean, Harris is hitting out of the nine hole and he has 39 RBI in 268 plate appearances. So that's been really, really good for your fantasy teams, especially out of that spot. I do think there will be some regression with Harris, but still I really like the upside here. You know, he drills line drives. He, he lifts it pretty easily, which he really didn't do when he was younger. And it's easy to look at the walk rate right now and say, Oh, he's not going to walk much, but that's really never who he was. He's always been in the eight to nine to close to 10% range in the minors. So, yeah, maybe he gets back to being that guy a little more. Maybe he kind of adjusts in the offseason. At the end of the day, it's still Robert, but I do think it is closer than people think.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. and I, I wouldn't be opposed to doing a, like you said, a Robert for Harrison and a good second piece, but I probably want that second piece right now to probably be closer to top 100 player. Like If you gave me, I'm trying to think of an example here. I mean, as I pulled my dynasty rankings here, but if you, if you gave me Harris plus let's say would you do it for harris and christian yelich no i'm i'm I'm, i don't want anything to do with yelich right now to be honest with you i think he's just whatever but hey maybe like a what about harris plus vaughn i think that'd be a good one right there i think that's kind of where i'm at
1: that's a pretty solid return him or vinny p
0: i think would be a great return yeah or or if i was to get something like an Cruz or ellie de la cruz something like that i think would be pretty solid as well all right the next one was Let's go down to the prospect level here and two of the most exciting prospects in the game. Unfortunately, we haven't seen one minor league at bat from one of these guys due to a shoulder injury, but these are two really hot names. Actually, one of them is probably the hottest name in the minor league world right now. Jackson Churio versus Drew Jones. Man, this is a fun one. You know, right now in my rankings, I do have Churio higher where do you have these guys in your rankings, Chris, Chirio and Jones?
1: They're really close. Let me pull them up. The, r- the only thing that gives Chirio the edge right now, in my opinion, is the fact that he's playing. We haven't seen Jones. Obviously, it's injury. I have Chirio at 6 and Jones at 11. So, you know, at the end of the day, and I think we've kind of said this, that's a big tier up there of of guys where, honestly, like, I mean, Carroll's one, but I wouldn't be upset if you made an argument from for anyone to be number one as far down as Drew Jones at 11. Because I think you can make an argument for Gunner. you can make an argument for Volpe, Ellie De La Cruz, Jordan Walker, Churio, James Wood, Lawler, Hassel, Vargas, Drew Jones. So at the end of the day, I think it's fairly close. But Churio does get the edge right now because Churio has shown us what he can do at the minor league level, at least. He's he's young. He's He actually maybe... I wonder
0: if he's younger than Drew Jones. Actually, I got it right here. Let's see... Drew Jones, 18 point, well, this was as of, you know, three weeks ago, but 18.7 yeah. and where's Churio? 18, yeah, he's about, what, two, three months younger, it looks like. Yeah, so
1: Churio being younger, yep, Drew Jones born November 28th, 03, Churio March 11th, 04, and Churio being that much younger, having... Pretty much a full season, and he's in high A tearing it up and showing no signs of slowing down. Now, Jones could do this. He could easily come out, come up, and perform like this. But so far, we haven't seen that, and we haven't seen what he's capable of. But Jones has a great field to hit. He's got good power, and he's got elite speed too. So they could end up being close, but I'm going with Churio.
0: Yeah, I got to go Cheerio right now as well. And for reference, I currently have, and this will probably changed a little bit, I have Cheerio 8 and Drew Jones at 14. So, well a similar gap, just a couple down for each of them for me as well. But yeah, Cheerio obviously is doing it. And I talked to somebody else, I talked to somebody at Baseball America about like their Cheerio at number two overall. And basically, I was told that all they've heard is just. 70 grade basically everything about Churio, so which I, I totally can see. Like, obviously, he's been lights out dominant through his first, you know, whatever few months as a minor leaguer, at least this year. I mean, and he's gotten better. Like there was a K rate issue, it's still, you know, there, but he's improved as the months have gone on, kind of like Ellie has as well. Churio's actually improved even more, so power, speed, it's all there. Jones, I think, has similar upside. Because I think Jones is going to be an elite, you know, average and steal stolen base guy with some pop. I think if he can get the 20 home runs, kind of like I'm kind of thinking about him now as I thought about Corbin Carroll about a year and a half ago, two years ago. I think there's a similar kind of upside there if you can get to the power that Carroll has. So I'll say some very similar upsides. But, yeah, I got to give the edge right now to Cheerio just because he's done it and Drew Jones hasn't at the in professional baseball. But. Maybe the what's let's, let's, uh, this would be good one to, like revisit in a year once you know late late next year once Jones has you know a few months under his belt let's see how this shakes out then another prospect one but two that have debuted one that debuted tonight hit a home run on his first swing which sent Mets Twitter into a frenzy including our buddy Michael Simeon. but Brett Beatty versus Miguel Vargas this one actually. I won't say it's not close because it's not like a big gap, but I'm solidly Vargas. I'm pretty sure you are as well, Chris. Like Beatty is good. Like I I wrote, I talked about Beatty on a recent Patreon AMA podcast. I did, and like Beatty's just a solid, like 270 potential to 25 home run type. Vargas is similar power, more average, and he'll add at least some element of speed that Brady probably won't. So I can see Another 15, 20 points on average from Vargas. Another, you know, probably another five to eight steals out of Vargas and probably a slightly better counting stats as well Just being in the Dodgers. on well, the Mets are obviously a good lineup as well, but it's the Dodgers. Come on. They're the best lineup, you know, all around top to bottom. They usually always are. So that's why I go Vargas. And I think there's a much higher floor with Vargas, much better hit tool than Bay. We've seen Bay have some swing and miss issues as well. So I think that there's a higher ceiling with Vargas and a higher floor. So I'll go Vargas here.
1: You know, Beatty actually hits the ball much harder than Vargas does. The problem is he just hits the ball on the ground too much. And I think that's right. probably going to be his downfall. It's just the ground ball rate. It's just been extremely high despite how hard he hits it. I feel like their feel for contact is pretty similar to be honest. Like I would say their hit tools are similar in that at least from a contact standpoint, but you can't get by with the kind of ground ball rates that Beatty posts, And yeah, he did lower it a bit in A this season, but you look and his historical rates have been high, you know, 50%. He even, you know, last year at 61.2%. And we saw him in the AFL doing this where, you know, he hit the ball extremely hard. I think he had the hardest ball hit at like 113 something, you know, like the highest average EV there. But at the end of the day, he just pounded it into the ground a lot. And I think that's going to end up hurting him. Vargas does make really good contact Vargas can lift the ball a little better so I do go Vargas slightly but Beatty obviously getting a lot of hype right now especially getting that home run no surprise Jaco de Rizzi but it is what it is so I do lean
0: Vargas still. yeah Jaco de Rizzi kind of stinking at the right time and you know the little issue with Kyle Wright's shoulder at the right time Soroka's nearly coming back so yeah. maybe he overtakes one one of those guys in the rotation. Uh, he he looked really good. I, Chris posted a, all eight of his strikeouts from um, from the other night in his rehab outing. He looked pretty good. Obviously, he's has been a huge K rate guy, but definitely, like, I, I just stashed him uh, in my home keeper league because you know I have I'm in first and I have a good lead there, so I'm like, eh, might as well see see what I uh, yeah. see what he gives. And he's, he went four innings, so I think they're they're building him up to be a starter. Probably said overtakes Odorizzi if they move him out of the bolt to the bullpen or you know, right. If he goes in the IL, but yeah, a little stash there, not to get off topic, but all right, next one. We have so many good ones here. Let's go. Let's keep it at the prospect level here. This one was, I think asking purely on upside Ezekiel Tovar, Carson Williams from Tampa Bay, and then Vaughn Grissom. Whoo, Chris, this is a, this is a hard one here. W- which one are you going to strictly upside? Who you got?
1: Well, for upside, probably going Tovar. I'm not sure. I mean, obviously he gets the benefit of playing in cores, like being a Rocky. That's going to significantly boost a batting average that he's already shown he has a good field to hit. So I think Tovar's batting average floor is really high, plus he's really getting to that power and speed. But again, you have Grissom, who is not much older than... He's a couple months older than Tovar, and he's at the major league level. It looked really, really good. Grissom also brings the power speed to the table, which is intriguing. I feel like his field of hits just not quite as good as Tobar. Carson Williams, to me, until he can make more consistent contact, he's not really in the same tier of player, in my opinion. The power speed's been tremendous, but his strikeout rate definitely has me concerned. So until that we see that you know kind of go down a bit, I'm – not even considering him in this tier, to be honest. But I will lean Tovar just slightly over Grisham. Grisham.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm right there with you. I I might actually go. I don't know. It's, Tovar's speed does lean me that way. Williams, I, I think is he's got solid upside as well. But I, I don't think he's... Uh, it's solidly Tovar and Grisham for me. I think it's all going to come down to how much Grisham runs. I think the power. He obviously he has the most power over Tovar, but Tovar obviously, like you mentioned, has the cores boost plus more speed. I will lean it's strictly upside. I will lean Tovar, but I think if you combine ceiling and floor, I'd probably go Grissom there. But yep, question was upside, so I will lean Tovar. All right, back up to the major league level here. This is a fun one. Randy Reyna and Cedric Mullins, man, these guys have you know, at. at one point or another both were maybe the hottest name in fantasy baseball for at least you know a couple months on end. Obviously Mullins having the 30-30 year last year. Rosarina was Babe Ruth in the playoffs a couple of years ago. But they've been really up and down this year. Let's look at the stats. Mullins 496 plate appearances, 11 home runs, 25 steals, 49 RBI, 61 runs, 263, 320, 399. Slash, so very you know, good power speed, very underloving slash slash. Rosa Reyna in 461 plate appearances, 16 home runs, 21 steals, 256, 317, 438 slash, 61 RBI, 50 runs scored.
1: Ugh.
0: I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of either of these two, but... I'll lean a Rosarena. I think obviously there's more power there. The speed gap isn't that big right now. You see 25 to 21. And he's just looked, you know, the metrics are better with him. And the metrics aren't great with a Rosarena either. But, you know, like Mullins is 5.2% barrel rate, you know, hard hit rate 37.7. There's more. He's at a higher floor, I will say, because a has had more of a strikeout issue. Though that has come down the 24.7% this year, which is very encouraging. But just a better quality of contact, excuse me, quality of contact metrics there, more power. I like the lineup around him a little bit more than Baltimore, though Baltimore is on the rise. But yeah, it's not a big gap. I'm not, I'm not big on either of these guys, but I will lean on Rosarena over Mullins. How about you, Chris?
1: Yeah, I do prefer Rosarena. But if you're disappointed in Cedric Mullins this year, like this is who you should have expected him to be, and we, I think we both kind of preached this all preseason. Like he, yeah, he had the speed to steal thirty bases again, but he was not hitting thirty home runs again. I said he would be a fifteen home run type. The average was obviously going to regress a bit, but still, he's having a solid season. Like you said, knowing the expectations and managing those expectations, I think that was just a twenty twenty one was a huge career outlier. So, and I think Mullins is fine, but. This is kind of who you should have expected him to be. You know, Rosarena is interesting where you probably could consider him a disappointment as well, but the power speed element's there. So you can't complain with what you're getting out of him and the batting average is still serviceable. So I would say the power
0: floor is just much higher with the Rosarena. So I'd go that way. Yep. Agreed. All right. This one, this was a fun one. Three catchers here. William Contreras, Gabriel Moreno, Kiber Ruiz. Man, this one, I don't know. Chris, what What are your thoughts? Who do you got this one? Contreras, Moreno, Ruiz, both, you know, obviously Contreras is doing the best right now, but do you like him the most long term? I do. And,
1: you know, I don't think it's particularly close because the power upside is just so much better. William Contreras' barrel rate is 96 percentile among all hitters in baseball. And it's when he starts getting more playing time, Like I think he's going to be a really solid player. And it's not like he's just hitting home run, like these dingy home runs that are just barely getting out. He's hitting him to all fields and just absolutely smoking them. Moreno, while Moreno definitely has the better field to hit, I have legitimate concerns about what kind of power Gabriel Moreno gets to. I'm not sure if he's a 10 home run guy. Like, legitimately, that's a concern in this profile. While he may hit 300, he may not give you many home runs at all. And I think Kibera Ruiz is, you know, giving similar concerns with what kind of power he can get to. And he's not even giving you decent average at this point. While I do think that the average will come up, like he's got good contact and his XBA is much higher, it's easily Contreras for me because Contreras is, you know, 24. He's the same age as, as Kiber, and he's just a little bit older than Gabriel Moreno, and he's showing what he can do, and the power's legitimate. And even if he hits 260, like I think that's going to play all day long with that kind of power that he brings to the table.
0: Yeah, I think if Moreno didn't regress in the power department this year, I, I would probably go Moreno here. Because I think the highest floor here by, I think, a good margin for me is Gabriel Moreno. He's got one of the best feel for hits in out of all prospects Right now, I'm not just catching. I'm talking about all prospects. Keeper Ruiz yeah. has kind of fallen off. He had that great year 2021, put himself back on the map as an elite prospect, and now he's just I don't know. I still I think there's a good future for Kiber Ruiz, but he's third for me. Contreras, I, th- I think this comes down to what you what type of catcher you want, and I think you know, a lot of people find value in the you know the more of the 250 hitters, but with a lot of power from their backstop others maybe like more of the high average just get that stability there I can see going either way I do think I do think it's close personally but I guess I will lean Contreras just until I see Moreno even if Moreno can get to like just sniff 15 home runs I think if he sniffs 15 I would take him so I'll I'll leave it as a Contreras for now but more of like a to be determined here next one this is a really fun one well they, these all have been fun but this one, Ellie De La Cruz versus O'Neill Cruz. So, battle of the, the cruises, so to speak. Here, o- o- O'Neill Cruz had obviously, I'm not writing him off by any means, so don't take it like that. But he's this his career so far in the major leagues kind of gone how I thought. He's flashed greatness. He still has a 12.3% barrel rate, 44.3% hard hit rate, but since he's eight foot six. That f- large frame, that large strike zone is getting exposed. He's currently hitting 195 through 186 plate appearances, albeit with nine home runs and six deals. That's obviously very, very good. That's what, that's damn near 30 20 pace, probably just by doing some quick math, but 37.1% strikeout rate. He has also, it doesn't show me the whiff rate right now on Savant for some odd reason. Oh no, I'm looking at the wrong spot. I went down too far. 38.9% whiff rate, 35.7% chase rate, below average zone contact rate. It's very small sample size, yes. I mean, Elie De La Cruz still has a lot to prove at AA, let alone in the major leagues. But I just, <sighs> my rankings won't reflect this, but for this, the de- debate. I'll probably take Ellie. I think there's a bigger power-speed blend there than there is with Cruz. You know, Cruz is very good. I think there's more with Ellie. I don't know. I think this Cruz is just too damn big. I I just wonder if he's always going to be exposed. He has to adjust back, obviously. Like I always say that, you know, pitchers adjust to hitters first, usually. Then these hitters have to adjust back. But O'Neal Cruz, it's not like he can stop being six foot seven and turn into like six foot three or something like that. So I always wonder if the average will be lower because of the bigger zone. And he he is a bit aggressive in general anyway. He always has been. But I'll for this debate, I'll take Ellie Cruz is still ahead of my dynasty rankings. I'm pretty sure I'd I'd have to look, but I'll take Ellie for this debate. How about you?
1: Well, it is interesting because like Aaron Judge is the same size as O'Neill Cruz, but I feel like Cruz has much longer levers which kind of leads him to getting exposed a bit. It, it, Judge- does seem, it does seem that way, doesn't it? Like, even yeah. though they're the same height, like it does look like he's just more like lanky and I don't know. His swing know. just feels so much longer. Like, and his arms seem much longer than Judge. I don't know. Maybe Judge just has the better swing. <laughs> Cruz is interesting. 99th percentile max EV and sprint speed. Pretty stupid stuff there with the power speed. But I don't think it matters if he can't make contact. I mean, I would argue there's similar concerns about, you know, Ellie. With the contact, but the development's been interesting. I think that Cruz got a little overhyped, to be honest. Like
0: yeah. the
1: prospect hype, you know, preseason was insane. And then it didn't help that he debuted, you know, late last year, hit a home run and nine plate appearances and everybody went crazy. But his contact rate's just not going to be sustainable, like with production. And that, we're talking about a guy with, I just told you, at 99th percentile of max EV one of the better average EVs. And he's only got a 397 slug right now. Like, that's not that great.
0: So I do think I'm leaning Ellie at the moment. Oh, I, I, thought, yeah, I thought you would take Cruz here. I thought I was kind of going a little uh, crazy going Ellie here.
1: No, I mean, I I just think for pure dynasty value, like, if I were to try to trade both right now, I could get significantly more trading Ellie De La Cruz. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I it, can say that. It's just funny how people, like, fade people so quick. Like O'Neill Cruz was all the talker, but I was begging for him to get caught up. And now in fact the dynasty Ip's just faded a bit. So you can probably get a a better return for Ellie. So I may lean that way slightly, but I still believe there's some more upside for Cruz, obviously that we haven't seen, but he's gotta make better contact.
0: I actually have them two spots apart in my dynasty rankings. <laughs> I've I have Ellie eighty third and O'Neal eighty fifth. Though I haven't adjusted O'Neill in a bit here, so she'll probably move down a little bit. Not not a ton, but it, it, right now, real quick, O'Neal Cruz, is, is he top 100 dynasty for you? He's
1: back end.
0: Yeah. It's pretty I mean, closed. I'll, I'll probably move him in that back end as well, but yeah, so I guess we're both going Ellie here. I thought we'd differ on this one here. Steaking a couple more hitters before the break. Volpe, Abrams, Lawler. This is another really good one. A lot of exciting you know, young prospects here. Chris, I'll I'll throw it over to you first here. Who you got? Anthony Volpe, CJ Abrams, Jordan Lawler. I think it's really close
1: between all of them. I would say probably leaning Volpe, but I think that mostly that's because of Abrams just fade a bit as he's debuted. I still believe in CJ Abrams upside, and I'm all about going to get him in Dynasty, and we talked a bit about that in our latest episode, but I think Volpe's just been underrated how good he is. And it's just a testament. He started off the season so bad and just really, he put that behind him and just came on and has been really strong. I don't know. It's, I think it's pretty close upside standpoint. I think I'm going CJ Abrams still safety wise, man, I'm not sure any of them safer than the other. So that's a tough one for me. So I guess I've, I guess I've convinced myself to go Abrams.
0: I'll go Volpe here. I, and I, I love all I, I still believe in Abrams as well. I'm incredibly high on Jordan Lawler. Always have been pre 2021 draft. Love to see him doing what he's doing now. Easy top five prospect overall. But I think just the combination of ceiling and floor goes to Volpe. And, and we saw, yeah, he had a bit of a, a slow start to the year up here in the double A Eastern league, but he's, really gone back to what he did last year over the last couple of months and he's got Yankee stadium waiting him Yankees lineup i think he's going to be a 20 plus 20 plus type of guy high average high obp looks like a nice number 2 hitter it looks Taylor made for that number 2 spot so he's gonna have a ton. actually if he's hitting like i know they've had judge hitting second a lot but maybe they move him on the third in the lineup and you know maybe volpe leads off who knows but hitting in front of judge and everybody else Man, I, I think I'd go Volpe. I, I I hate that I like a Yankees prospect as much as I do as a Red Sox fan, but I love me some Anthony Volpe, always have. So I'll go Volpe here, but I think all three are going to be very, very good fantasy players long-term. All right, Chris, let's go with some really, really quick hits here before we hit the break. We had a couple featuring Evan Carter, so I'll just put all these guys together. Mm. So, all right, so it says going to be five players total. Maybe, it's, maybe just rank the five for this all right we get evan carter gabriel gonzalez actually it is just four players sorry yeah just rank these four evan carter gabriel gonzalez joey weimer and kevin alcantara all
1: right so as i have them ranked right now it would be
0: carter gonzalez alcantara and weimer i have this i have alcantara and gonzalez flipped but same for me. The first three are all close. And then Wiemer have dropped down a bit. He's struggled mightily lately. So yeah, so I go Carter, Alcantara, Gonzalez, who are all top fifty for me. And then Weimer, probably 15, 20 spots below that. This next one, very interesting because it's two very different players. Michael Massey, Esther Ruiz. I think I might go Massey. I think he's a super underrated. I think he's gonna a big 20 homer, you know, eight to ten steel type with a high average, high OBP. I think he's kind of getting slept on. Ruiz, I think, this has a higher upside, obviously, because of that speed. But where is he at with the bat? Is that just is a lot of that was PCL? He made some t- changes and improvements, sure. But was that, how much of that was PCL inflated? So I'll go Massey on this one.
1: Yeah, I'm a bit concerned about history, Ruiz, and the Padres' willingness to give up on him, I would say. I won't, I'm not saying they gave They got Josh Hader, obviously, but... <sighs> Ruiz, you're right. I'm wondering how much of it is legitimate. And I'm not sure I'm completely buying what he did, you know, this year, at least in San Diego. So that really leaves him as kind of an, I still think he's a more empty speed type guy. I don't think his field of hit is that great. And I think Massey's going to be more consistent. So long term, I would, Bet on Michael Massey having a really quiet career, but probably a better one than history Ruiz.
0: Right. I think Ruiz will probably have some better seasons. Maybe his peak season looks better than Massey's, but for for the totality of their career, I'll lean Massey. Last one before the break. And this is a a tough one. This this just screams ug. All right. If you had to buy into one of these four right now in Dynasty, Chris, who would you take? Jared Kelnick, Joe Adele, Brendan Marsh, Taylor Trammell? I'd probably go Brandon Marsh, and that won't be popular, but
1: I really like his move to Philly. I like his chances to really rebound there, and in that sense, I think he's got a better chance to get to his upside. We've seen the power speed this year. We've also seen a really flawed hitter that strikes out too much, but I think that can be corrected. I really do like his chances in Philly better than I do in Los Angeles, who we've seen has just been, you know, absolutely brutal with player development and don't, I mean, you can say Trout and Otani, but the angels didn't really develop them. At least this current regime, obviously Otani came over as the polished player. He was and Trout's, you know, otherworldly. I'm sure he would have developed like that in any organization. So I think there's been just this lingering injuries with Mars that have kind of, you know, had him banged up. So I think that next year is a chance for Marsh to really take off because you know, he had some shoulder issues before, and now he's dealing with you know spring left ankle. He's got a bone bruise in his knee. He's got all kind of stuff going on where he's just really banged up right now. So I'm going with Marsh. I really think that next season will be a good one for him, Good, good chance to buy back in.
0: Yeah, I'll take the luster of the evils here. i go with Marsh as well. Tremel's not in the conversation for me in this one. It's to the other three. I'm sure people are probably surprised about saying Kelnick, and I do think I still do the. Even I posted a couple of things, you know, about me and him kind of breaking up <laughs> on Twitter, but I still think he does turn it around to some degree. What that degree looks like, I I have no idea. Adele, I just ugh, I don't trust the Angels. I there's too much issues in the profile there. Marsh has the most speed here, so I think for fantasy, I think they're all not going to live up to even close to what they kind of were thought to be long-term, but yeah, I will go Marsh as well, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I honestly don't feel great about any of them, if I'm being honest here, but all right. Hitters are done. Let's go ahead and take a quick break, get a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back with some pitchers. Support for Fantrax Toolshed is brought to you by Manscaped,
1: who is best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the performance package. So join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off, and free worldwide shipping using the code TOOLSHED in manscaped.com. If you've ever had a time where you hurt yourself down there when trimming, then you know it's important to get the best. And Manscaped offers the best. They have recently introduced their Performance 4.0 package, and it's a game changer. Inside the package, you'll find the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear, nose, and hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball deodorant, the Crop Reviver toner, the Performance Boxer Briefs, and even a travel bag to hold all your goodies. The lawnmower 4.0 is the future of grooming, and dare I say the greatest ball trimmer ever. I'm just blown away by its performance and its craftsmanship. This fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof. It also has a 4,000K LED spotlight you need for your most precise shaves. And because it's waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You thought that was good. But in this package, you'll also find the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. It's also waterproof and provides the same proprietary skin-safe technology. The Crop Preserver Below the Waste Deodorant and Reviver Below the Waste Toner will change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine. Manscaped will even throw in two free gifts for you in the Performance 4.0 package, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and your boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself, get some new tools for your shed, and get 20% off at Manscaped.com and free shipping using the code TOOLSHED. Don't miss out on this exclusive offer. If you haven't tried Manscaped, this is the perfect opportunity because 20% off and free shipping using the code TOOLSHED at manscaped.com.
0: All right, welcome back from the break. Let's slide over to some pitchers here. Got a lot of fun debates here as well. Let's start with this is probably maybe, not, maybe the best one here, at least one of the best ones we have for pitcher debates. Spencer Strider, Dustin May. Chris, I'll kick it over to you first here. Who you got? Well, I think it's easy to say Strider, but then again, think about
1: May's progression before he had Tommy John. We were really seeing some major strides from him in that small sample in 2021. I mean, he really upped his swinging strike rate. Those flashy pitches that you saw on Pitching Ninja were actually getting whiffs. He struck out 37.6% of batters. That was just a 23% or 23 inning sample. So that is worth noting, but he's looked really good in his rehab. But the Spencer Strider guy is no slouch either, where he's also showing elite whiff rates, 37.2% strikeout rate, and that is over 94 in two-thirds innings. So Strider's been pretty impressive. The biggest question with him is how long will he continue to get by with two pitches? As, and you've seen a difference. When, when the fastball is consistently 98 to 100 or 100-plus, 100 then he's fine. But when I've noticed when he dips down, like 95 to 96, that's when he gets a little bit hit around. The, str- the fastball, or sorry, the slider is an elite pitch for Strider. It's a 52.5% whiff rate on it. Absolutely insane. They really complement each other well. And he does throw the change up from time to time, not too often. So, really, the biggest thing to watch is what May you know, really looks like when he comes back. Like, obviously, he's looked good in the small sample in the minor leagues, but what is he going to look like in the major leagues? And I think this one could be close. I really do. Pretty similar ages. Strider is a, a little bit younger, but not by much. So we're looking at 23 and 24-year-olds here. Both bright futures ahead of them. The positive is Dustin May has TJ behind him. Strider also had it in college. You'd hope that you know his arm's pretty much good to go, despite the high velo that he's got going on. So that's, that's the Walker Bueller. Right, that's true. Walker Bueller did <laughs> already have it. And doesn't throw nearly as hard as these flamethrowers, but... And I'm going to say Strider, but I do think it could be pretty close.
0: So at this current point in time, I think it's insanely close. Like it's basically a coin flip right now. But moving forward, give me Dustin May. I love Spencer Strider as well. We've talked about him a lot on this podcast. I love fastball slider. Obviously, the changeup I think has a lot of potential if he throws it more. But I think while well, the upsides you could probably say are very comparable. I think there's a much higher floor with Dustin May. And granted, you know, when Spencer Strider started this run that he's been on, I didn't think it would last this long. Like, I knew there was always a lot of upside there, but I was like, all right, this is fun. How long is it going to last? And it just kept going and kept going like the Energizer bunny. But I just feel safer about May sustaining elite production moving forward. Really love what the Dodgers do with you know pitching, player development, and landa has been pretty solid as well. No slouch there either, but yeah, give me May. Like I said, I'm 110% buying into the small sample size we saw at the beginning of last year. He's looked very good in this rehab. He'll be, he'll be back very soon. I forget the exact day he he's going to start, but yeah, very excited about both these guys long-term, but yeah, I, I feel safer about May maintaining elite success. Yeah, like I said, I think he's going to be Fantasy ace by middle of next year. So while there's, you know, I think you could trade Strider for May and like a decent second piece right now. I think that'd be something I would really look to do. So I think right now it's very close, but I'd give the edge to Dustin May long-term. All right, next. Actually, there was also a couple of other ones that included these two here. So we'll hit on these quicker. The other one that included Spencer Strider was Boz versus Strider versus Glass. Now real quick, Chris, rank those three.
1: Who me. That's tough. Strider and Boz are close. And then Glasnow could definitely bump back up once returning from TJ. Glasnow may have the most upside, but we've also I know we haven't seen the best from Shane Boz. So goodness, man, that's uh I'm pretty torn on those, but I'll just go as I have them ranked right now. And that would be, let's see, Boz, Strider, which are pretty close. And then Glasnow, but I do think now could easily bump back up in that range.
0: Yeah. And it's funny that this was worded as battle of the two-star guys, and I don't think any of them, I'm asking me two-pitch guys. I guess Striders could be considered that, but now added the slider last year, which is a very good slider. It was almost as good as a curveball, so... Love all three of these guys. I love that Glasnow added that third pitch. I think that's been beneficial to him, but he just can't stay healthy. And you know, either can you know Shane Boz has had his injury issues right now. I still will go Boz, but I don't think you can go wrong with any of them. And then the other one here uh, that included Dustin May was May versus G. Rod. Right now, I go May, but I love Grayson Rodriguez. I said he's the best pitcher. I've seen live over the in the in the minor leagues. Over the last handful of years. Saw him live last year. So Oh, this is so tough. I I'll lean G Rod. My rankings don't say that right now, obviously, because G Rod hasn't proven anything at the major league level. But I think, you know, three, four years from now, I think May will be like in that ten to twelve range. I think G Rod could be a little bit high. I think Giro could be like a top six to eight pitcher. I think he's that good so i'll lean g-rod here what do you got there
1: i'm gonna go with may but i do agree that g-rod has the higher upside
0: yeah that one's so hard i love both these like i guess i think they're both gonna be fantasy aces within the next you know may probably a little quicker but within the next three years i think we're drafting these guys as fantasy aces and maybe you know all five of these guys we just talked about could be top 20 arms long-term. They all have that upside for sure, and some of them have already proven that. Like like Tyler Glass now and Strider this year has been top 20 for a good chunk of the season. All right, next, uh, we had a couple that included Jesus Lazardo. First one, Chris, Lazardo versus Lance McCullers. Who you got there?
1: I like Lance McCullers a little better. I think there's going to be some inconsistencies with Lazardo throughout his career, and we've kind of seen that. And McCullers has been probably one of the most underrated pitchers throughout his career that we've seen in a long time. I mean, he debuted at 21 years old and was stellar with a 3.22 ERA his rookie year. And he's just continually been really good. And last year was probably his best season. We finally saw the strikeouts really tick up. I know there's a lot of injury risk, but there's injury risk with both here. But I am going to go with McCullers.
0: This is tough for me. I think I might I might lean Lizardo. I don't know. It's almost a coin flip to me because, like you mentioned, they're both very talented, both a lot of injury issues. Lizardo, I think I'll, I'll just lean Lizardo. I think if you just look at the profile, I think you know next handful of years they could be very, very similar. But Lizardo four years younger, so that might lean me to Lizardo in Dynasty. And the other one was Lazardo versus Freddie Peralta. I don't think this one's quite as close. You know, Peralta had that really, really good 2021 year where he was being drafted as a, you know, top 15 arm this spring. Was off to a little bit of a, you know, not so stellar start, but kind of picked it up, had the injuries. It's been a very roll-coaster year for him. But I like, I think he's on a level above both these guys here. So I will go Freddy Peralta. How about you? Yeah, I don't think this one's that close for me. You
1: know, Peralta, obviously dealing with injuries, but I think he's one where he's going to be, you know, a okay. He's he's looked, you know, pretty good since coming back, and so I'm going to go that way with Freddie Peralta.
0: All right, so I actually missed another one that had both G-Rod and Boz in it. There's a lot of G-Rod and Boz ones here. So, again, real real quick, since we already discussed two of these guys – G-Rod versus Boz versus Logan Gilbert. Who you got there, Chris?
1: I still have Boz. G-Rod's ceiling is probably higher than both. So, I don't know. I mean, consistency and floor, then I'm going Gilbert. But I do have Boz ranked highest. But G-Rod has the potential to pass them both. So, it depends on what you're looking for in the pitcher there.
0: I go G-Rod. I think upside, him and Boz very close. Obviously, if you want to go floor, it's Gilbert because he's – proven at the major league level the other two haven't but combination of ceiling and floor i think goes g rod i've kind of mentioned that i think gilbert while he's good is a bit overrated right now like he doesn't have like uh, let me pull back up his savant page and obviously you know this isn't everything but it was kind of interesting look at some of his comparable names to him in terms of what was it the batted ball profile this is not good Austin Voth, James Caprellian, Trevor Williams, Daniel Lynch, Jamison Tyon from from last year. All the other ones were from this year. He's got the good stuff. Like some of his pitchers similar to him on Velocity and Movement were Shane Boz, Brendan Woodruff, Justin Verlander, Tyler McGill, Jackson Tetrault. for some odd reason. I'm not sure how he fits into there. But I just don't think Gilbert is fantasy ace. I think he kind of gets valued that way. He doesn't have the strikeout stuff. So I think he's a bit overrated. So I'll go G-Rod then I think long-term is going to be G-Rod, Boz, Gilbert. Uh, Gilbert will be very good, so don't come at me saying, I'm, you know, I hate Gilbert or something like that. So I think he'll still be good, but I think he's a bit overvalued for, for fantasy purposes. All right, next one. Dylan Cease versus Alec Manoa. This one, I almost didn't do it because I don't think this one's that close. It's Dylan Cease by a solid margin for me. I think now that he's shown that he can get the walk right down to a better level still not you know he's not pinpoint obviously but very reasonable level he's got way more strikeout upside he's pitching at similar to better ratios especially lately he's been much better in ratios but even if the their ratios are similar long term which i think they probably could be i think he's got to have like a 10 percent higher k rate so i go cease how about you yeah even if Manoa has a little better command
1: and gonna walk less batters you're right i think that Manoa could settle in around 25% K rate. I think that's fully possible. He's been at 22.5 this year, which is not great, but he's managed to keep the ERA pretty low. But, you know, everybody kind of went really high on Manoa. With that kind of strikeout rate, like he's not that dissimilar from what Mike Soroka was earlier in his career. And Soroka never really got that kind of hype. So I'm going Cease. And I think that it would take like, to know a plus a lot to get cease for
0: me yeah especially right now with how, yeah. with how good cease has been lately though oddly enough his carrots kind of come down a bit i think it was like 20 actually let me pull it up because so i was i'm working on my starting pitcher rankings article which will be out by the time you listen are you listening to this but i like to pull up their stats onto my spreadsheet to kind of get everything in one spot and over the last month cease has in 29 innings 186 era but carrots actually done to 24.3 3% over the last month, which is very odd. I'm not, I'm not worried at all. Just kind of an, an odd little thing I, I saw there, but 8.7% walk rate over the last month. That's you can get by with that. As long as you have Dylan C stuff, that's definitely passable. So yeah, I'll I go cease here by a solid margin. And Mano is another one where, where I think he's very good, but this doesn't have that K rate. You want to look, you look to, you know, in like an ACE type of guy. So cease by a good margin for me. Next one, let's get some prospect ones here. First one, Daniel Espino versus Yuri Perez versus Andrew Painter. Easy answer for me. Love all 3. Easy upside, you know, elite ace front line upside for all 3. Give me Daniel Espino. I think he has the best all-around arsenal. I know a lot will probably go to Yuri at this point, but I'm still Espino.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I think that for me, Espino and Yuri are a tier ahead of Painter at the moment. I will take Yuri just because of the age at each level and how he's performed. I think it's pretty close, honestly, though. I I really do love both guys, but I'm a little more confident
0: in Yuri Perez. That's fair enough. I I wouldn't fault anybody for going Yuri, but obviously I've been... You know, riding this Daniel Espino train, yeah, it sucks. He's missed a a large chunk of the season with injury, but I think he's the best. And obviously Cleveland pitching factory definitely helps as well. All right, another one here. Painter, again, first Gavin Williams versus Ricky Tiedemann. This one, Chris, who you got? Yeah, Yeah, it's Tiedemann. But at the same time, like I tweeted this earlier, Gavin Williams is, I think, Incredibly underrated. Like when people talk about top 10 pitching prospects, his name gets brought up a little bit, but not as much as it should. And right now, where is he in my starting pitcher, a pitching prospect rankings here? Because I think he's just incredibly underrated. He just pitched on Tuesday night six perfect innings. ERA is, I think it's like 1.4 on the year or something like that, very low. K is over 30%. So in terms of my pitching prospects, Actually, Tiedemann is fifth, which he, he might move up to fourth above Taj Bradley by the time I update it. But then at this moment, so he's fifth. Williams is seventh, and who is it? Oh yeah, Painter's eighth. So all they're all three are top ten for me. I just think Williams is incredibly underrated. He's a good buy right now, just in general. So I would to go to go out like and get get him because I think the. Perceived value has not caught up to the actual value. Yeah, he's a little older. That's probably why well, he's 23 right now. All these other guys are talking about, I think the next oldest in this range, like, you no know, G-Rod's is 23 as well, but all these guys are like 19, 20, 21, and Uri's and Bradley's and Tiedemann's of the world. So I think that's why Williams is a little bit overlooked in terms of this discussion, but he's just as good as these guys. Big fastball, curveball combination. So, well, I'll answer Tiedemann. Williams is very underrated.
1: I think Williams has the best individual pitch like his fastball you know arguably the best pitch of any of these and probably next to him or Tiedemann's change up but I would argue change
0: up yeah it is
1: I would I'd say Williams has the best fastball of all of them his curves and slider are pretty good too yes
0: his his curveball is incredible too it's a hammer I love his curveball
1: yeah there's you could argue for any of these for me that are all in a pretty similar tier let's see exactly Where I have each of them, I think I do have Tiedemann the highest, but I have them all in the same at least tier range of pitching prospects. So I guess i got to go Tiedemann because I have him ranked there, but like I said, Williams is sneaky good, I think.
0: Doesn't get the love. No, he definitely doesn't. Again, Cleveland, I think he's no doubt top 10. So if you can get him for – price tag that's even a little bit less than that maybe you give him more of like a top 75 ish price tag it's like overall he is, where is he in my overall the 39th right now is 28th and Painter's 41st so I think for me there's a clear-cut top eight pitching prospects it's G-Rod in order for me G-Rod Espino, Yuri Perez, Taj Bradley, Ricky Tiedemann, Kyle Harrison, Gavin Williams, Andrew Painter, there's a you know 15 or so spot gap down to Max Meyer, who obviously it's hurt right now, then another like 20 spot gap down to the Breon Bayos, Hunter Browns, Tink Henses, you know, DL Hollis, Gavin Stones of the world. So I think there's a clear cut top eight for me right now, Chris. Yeah, are yeah. your are your rankings gonna what are your pitch? While we're on the subject, we have a few minutes here. What's the your pitching prospect rankings looking like at the top? All right, so currently it is G
1: Rod. Yuri Espino, and those are all pretty close. G-Rod, just a little bit ahead. Then it's followed by Tiedemann, Harrison, Taj Bradley, Gavin Williams, Andrew Painter. Let's see, here's the next one. I missed one. I don't know. I don't, I don't have them filtered out, so I'm just kind of scrolling through. Then after that, it's Brayon Bayo, Gavin Stone, D.L. Hall, Max Myers dropped down a pretty good bit for me. And then Tink Hintz comes in next.
0: Yeah, so we we have the same top eight, a little bit different on the order there. But, yeah, I I think there's a clear-cut top eight right now. And some of the guys could join that soon. But, yeah, that's definitely the uh, tier. I don't know if I said – you think that's two different tiers in there? Yeah, probably tier one would be G-Rod Espino and Yuri. And then probably the other guys are tier two probably. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that there's tier
1: one and tier two. But tier two still has some – serious talent in it
0: for sure yeah those are the guys when we talk about frontline potential like those are like i don't like to throw on that term a lot but those are guys i will throw on frontline potential uh, you only have the ones outside of them deal hall but if he made huge strides in command and control which he hasn't shown he could do i still give it outside you know kind of a dark horse pick here of mick abel if everything clicks with him jackson job if everything clicks dylan lesko if everything clicks but those are the only ones i have solid level of confidence in right now Is those guys and tiedemann was just absolutely insane seeing him live but i think that's gonna wrap us up here that was a really fun episode thank you to everyone that submitted all those debates there was a lot of good ones there which we could have gotten to more but maybe we'll do another one of these again in the off season you know kind of winding down the season here another another month and a half left but maybe we'll do another one of these in the off season but that will wrap us up for today thank you all the listeners for tuning in again this episode we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did you can follow us on twitter chris that click. i'm aircross04 and our shows that Fantrax Toolshed. tool shed and check out all of our written work at Fantrax hq fantasy pros or over on our patreon and join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk but until then everyone take care